Welcome back to Not Another Nux Podcast with your hosts, Joel and Harp, brought to you by Loudmouth Brewing for the best beers and burgers in town. Visit Loudmouth Brewing in Abbotsford. Joel, holy shit, man. Bruce, there it is. What a difference he has made to this club. You know, it's what is he? 7-0-1-1, right? 7-0-1-1. Yeah, 7-0-1-1. and in eight games, he has as many, or is he, he's 8 0 1 now, I think, but he just in eight games, he had as many wins as Green did all season long, right? <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on the immediate turnaround and how he's been able to really impact the Canucks when he, you know, walked on the bench? Man, it's insane. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you hear so often about uh, Bruce being a player's coach, and I mean, he just seems like such a friendly genuine person like he just reminds me of like the stereotypical grandpa where he's just like so <laughs> you just want to go up and give him a hug you know give him a big bear hug yeah, uh, yeah and i think the boys they just they listen they just listen i think uh you know green kept saying in all his interviews i mean he's not going to admit that he lost the room of course but mm-hmm. You know, he kept saying, I don't think they've lost, you know, I don't think I've lost the room. I don't think they've stopped listening to me. Mm-hmm. But I think it was pretty evident that they had. I mean, there was multiple times where I'd be watching a game uh, and I'd be looking at the bench and when they'd zoom in on players and they were either chewing each other out, chewing out green or getting chewed out by green or just completely zoning out when that he was trying to talk to them. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think by, you know, letting go of Green and making that switch, they really have just been, I don't know what you'd say, like playing to their fullest potential, I guess, and and and, and just listening. And who knows, maybe it's a little bit of like the honeymoon phase, I guess, where everything is fantastic and mm-hmm. you can't to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, right now, ride the hot hand. It's fantastic. And I'm super happy to be a Canucks fan. Dude, totally. And you know, Boudreaux's energy is just so night and day compared to Greener, right? Like in press conferences, Greener, he'd be almost like, you know, attacking some of the reporters. And Boudreaux, like you said, he's just such a love, lovely and like kind of cuddly, funny guy. And he's making all these jokes and making all the reporters laugh, right? You see him on Instagram and on TikTok making those videos for people right, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and like like you said before, um, there was one game I remember against, I think it was Columbus. And the Canucks were down by, I think, a few goals. And what happened was on the power play, um, they took a timeout. They went to the bench. Boudreaux was explaining something. Everyone was, you know, tentatively listening and just kind of trying to figure out what he's trying to say, you know, and they were all zoned in. And it was like drastic, you know, like night and day difference between Green. Because I remember right before Green left, right before he got fired, there was a timeout he called. And as he was talking, people like Pearson and Pedersen, they were and Miller, they were just skating away. They were not listening to him at all. And yeah, they didn't even strategize. I remember yeah. that. And right after that timeout um, against um, the Columbus with Boudreaux, they scored. Miller had the, you know, um, tape-to-tape pass um, to Horvat. Horvat scored it. And then I think they won in regulation or overtime right, from coming down. And it was just like there was no giving up on that team. And and this is what the team has become now. They're not giving up. They're playing hard. And I think we've mentioned it before that Green played to cover up weaknesses 
rather yeah. than accentuate strengths. But Boudreaux is really accentuating the strengths of this core and, and these young players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think in, in terms of that, when you, when you say it like that, um, I've always been subscribed to the idea that the Canucks are a very emotional team. Yeah. Um, especially when you have a young core, as young as they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lows, you know, they always say, like, you don't want your lows to be too low. You don't want your highs to be too high. Mm-hmm. But in reality their lows are really low and their highs are really, really high. Yeah. Um, and I think when you have that attitude and that, that positivity of coming to the rink every day and you're having fun, like it seems like they're having fun. Like you watch practice videos on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, and they just look happier and they look like they enjoy doing their jobs again. Oh, yeah. um, and under green, I, you know, they, it seemed like they lost that they were kind of just showing up and they weren't happy. And of course, they were losing, so why would you be happy? Yeah, um, true. But yeah, now they're just they seem they seem really uh, like they're having fun again, and and I think uh, when that happens, they can play a little bit freer, play play a little bit looser, mm-hmm. um, like you said, play to their strengths. And like, I mean, Petey's been penalty killing. Yeah, like that's crazy. Awesome. <laughs> that's yeah. so cool to see. And the fact that he asked for it. You know, mm-hmm. he never got the opportunity under green. And on the penalty kill, dude, he is playing amazing. He is in their face. He's chasing down people. He's forward-checking like crazy, you know? Like, mm-hmm. PD does have this defensive kind of tenaciousness to him. And, and he does forecheck pretty hard. But I think under green, he lost a lot of that, right? And this is... Okay, you know what? I'm going to get into this right now. This is a conversation I had with someone else recently on, in another hockey group I'm in. We were talking about how green wanted all these skilled players to be... M- like to fit in a box that he thought was best for them rather than adapting his coaching style um, to play what's best for the player. Right. So you look at, you look at Besser, Besser has been struggling for the last two, three years. Right. Like people even said, you know, okay, like draft year Besser is going to be out. You know, now all they're focusing on him is is his, you know, full game. uh, What is it? hundred yard, hundred foot game play. Right. Making sure he can defend, making sure he can forecheck making sure he comes back when he needs to. But I'm like, dude, this guy is one of the most like elite snipers when he has a chance, right? Mm-hmm. And and year after year, he just kind of, he's been regressing here and there, hasn't been really doing that great. And this year with Green, he was doing terrible, right? People were actually asking for him to get traded. And right away, when Boudreaux came in, this guy's point totals and goals have just been insane because he's been put in a position to just score, He's got one of the best shots in the league, arguably one of the best shots in the league, right? Mm. And and I think that it was a game against LA um, or the second game, I can't remember, but he just had these snipes where it was two different snipes right in front of the net, completely bar down, in and out, right? And you just saw his swagger back. You just saw his, like, you know, he, he felt it. He felt the confidence come back. And you're starting to see that with Petey, but I'm kind of scared that a lot of Petey's creativity has been coached out of him because of the bomb Garner and greener effect. What do you think about that, man? Yeah. I mean, everything you said about Besser too. Like, yeah. Yeah. He has looked so good under Bruce. And I mean, so sad that he is in COVID protocol and we haven't been seeing him, but hopefully with this week coming up, uh, he can rest up and get healthy and mm-hmm. uh, join the boys back, but you're right. He's just shooting more. Right. And that's mm-hmm. something that, you wouldn't see under green you would see him pass the puck you would see him you know miss 
an opportunity where, okay, well, why didn't you shoot it, Besser? You had a point A shot. Like you should have taken that. Um, but he mm. would just, he would miss it or pass it off. So it's been good seeing him do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of PD, uh, maybe like you said, getting, getting that skill and creativity almost mm-hmm. coached. Him. I don't know. I don't know if I can subscribe to that idea. I think I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's really weird. I, I don't think anybody knows what's going on with him except for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's strange because, you know, he had so such high expectations in his first year and in his second year. Yeah. Um, and even now he's still arguably the most skilled player on the team. And he's so, yeah. still their best player. Mm-hmm. But he's just looked a little bit, you know, less confident out there. And whenever he gets the puck before, you know, a couple of years ago, everybody would be ooing and eyeing as soon mm-hmm. as he touched the puck because he would do something special. Yeah. Um, and now you don't necessarily see that. Um, but I'm wondering is, is it actually gone or will he get it back? That's you know, that's a really good question because that's what I'm finding a lot of people, especially on Twitter, are debating like you you're seeing trade proposals for treaty for pd right now i think trading him now would be a mistake you know um he does kind of remind me of brock when brock had those like low years when he was trying to figure out his defensive game and they've kind of put pd in a third c role yeah but that being said um he's still with garland he's still with an uh, you know Mm -hmm. players that can score and and i don't know what it is like like you said, that creativity and, and just the ability to make magic happen, right? The way, like, every time he's touched the puck, something would happen. You would want to watch. Um, and he'd, he'd be so fast going up and down the tape. Maybe because he's gone bigger and, he, you know, like, everyone commented on his size. But now that he is bigger, maybe he's taking his body time to kind of just adjust, adjust to the, the new size difference. I think he went up, like, 15, 20 pounds or something um, mm-hmm. uh, since his first year. And, and and this is taking time. But also, I know a lot of people are throwing the money in his face too, right? He just signed a new contract, a pretty big contract, right? And, um, you know, he's just not producing at those numbers um, that you would expect for someone that's getting that contract. And it is upsetting a lot of people, right? Um, yeah. But he has made strides. I, I do agree that I have seen since um, Greener has gone, I have seen him make strides. I have seen him play better. And I've seen him um, get more chances. Like you said, he is doing really well on the defensive end, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to the PK, right? And, and and that's what leaders do. And you can see that the drive is there. You can see that the work ethic is there. You know, I think Harmon Dial was just saying a couple of days ago, like he's always one of the last ones off the ice. And just a couple of days ago, he was helping Hoggy or Hoglander <laughs> yeah. um, take one-timers and teaching him how to do better one-timers, right? Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, was really- yeah. But Bester's game like has been completely turned around. And I'm not gonna lie, man. Like under under Greener, I felt a lot. We lost a lot of our players and lots of skill, and we need to, you know, like reset or whatever. But yeah. I'm seeing these players kind of step up, and you know, there are a few other players that have really shocked me with how good they have become, right? Mm-hmm. And one of them is actually Tyler Myers. Like, yes, dude, Myers. Yeah. Okay, I always liked the acquisition, but just the systems and structure. And you know, we have. Bitched and complained about the systems and structure under Green and Bomber forever since we started this yeah. podcast, which was a couple yeah. years ago, right? And dude, like 
all of a sudden you have a brand new system, all of a sudden you're a brand new coach and you have Shaw back there too, who's, you know, organizing people. Myers looks amazing. He does. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. He, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen Myers play like this. I mean, probably, I don't even want to say in his Winnipeg days, but even before back to Buffalo, like yeah. he looks like, you know, Calder winning Tyler Myers. Oh yeah. Yeah. He is he looks so free with the puck. And I mean, yeah, still every once in a while, you know, you see the big, the big mistake um, mm-hmm. where it'll be a blunder. I mean, like that Miller overtime winner against the ducks. <laughs> yeah. He made a huge blunder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mind you, it ended up working for him. And if he didn't make that mistake, we probably wouldn't have scored there. Yeah. But, um, you know, you still see those in his games in his game because he's so uh, offensive minded and because he's carrying the puck so much, but he has the puck on his stick so much recently. Like I want to look, I I haven't really looked into it, um, but I want to look into the advanced analytics of it and see um, what his time of possession has been under Boudreaux versus green because. Oh, it's going to be way higher. It's just an eye test right now, but it seems yeah. way higher. Like he seems to be carrying the puck and he seems to be carrying it with more authority. Yeah. Uh, and confidence. Um, and you know, he's had a few dangles. Like he's mm-hmm. kind of been he's been nasty. Yeah. Um he's just been fun to watch. Um yeah, I'm glad. I'm really glad because he's got a big contract. Um, but now I can't. It's to the point right now like at least right now where we are, where I can't see the Canucks decor without him. No, I agree. He he has literally changed his game so much under the new system. Okay, ch- check out these time logs, okay? Yep. Uh, Columbus game, December 14th, he logged 29 minutes. December 16th against San Jose, 24 minutes, almost 25 minutes. Anaheim, December 29th, 24-14. December 30th against the LA Kings, 25 minutes. And Seattle, 22 minutes. He is definitely relied on heavily. And mm-hmm. in those games, he's plus one, plus three, plus one, even, and then plus one. Yeah. You know, he yeah. is tied for the highest. I know a lot of people say plus minus is not that big of a thing. But right now, I think the, I think Hughes is the only person that has higher than him at plus nine. He's at yeah. plus eight right now. And he was at plus nine just a couple of weeks ago. Right? No, I think, yeah, like you said, plus minus maybe gets overlooked and maybe it's not as crucial of a stat as some people think it is, but mm-hmm. I think, I think it's really important. I mean, you know, you look at like, for example, Quinn Hughes, where was he last year? What was he like a minus 21? Yeah. That was wild. By yeah. the end of the year. Yeah. Like something gross. And it's mm-hmm. like, wait a second, this guy's still putting up like 50, 60 points and yeah. he's a minus 21. He's you know how many goals he's out there for? That's so many. That's crazy. Ridiculous yeah. math. That's this is insane. this is this is the first year um while playing on the Vancouver that he's not a minus. In really? in yeah, in 1920, he was a minus seven. He finished the year with um a minus seven. In 2021, he finished the year at minus eight. And 21, 22, he's at plus eight right now. This is the first time he's a plus player um in the last like what three years <laughs> yeah that's crazy um another player that's really stood out to me honestly who has really taken a step in the leadership role is miller like 
I know this guy is crazy, crazy emotional. And like you say, sometimes he can be like the best player or the worst player on the ice with just his emotional tantrums and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But honestly, man, this guy's like on a 9-10 game bender for points. And he is just ripping it up right now. Like if Besser was still in the lineup and played the last two games, I guarantee you he'd have more points right now. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. No, he has... I'm, I mean, I know Bo's the captain, but... Mm-hmm. Almost like he's the. It's almost like Bo's the captain in terms of just media presence yeah. and and being the face of the franchise and being that Sadine example, you know, in the community and whatnot, and really living up to that what it means to be a Canuck and being yeah. a Canucks captain. But yeah, yeah. It seems like Millsy has taken over the role of almost like almost like the dad, you know, almost like the Chris Tanev type where. Yeah, I, good point. not silent, but you know, very loud leader mm-hmm. in the locker room and somebody who drags their team into the fight. And he he's a, an ultra competitor. Like I didn't really notice that. It seems like when you think or when I would see him early on in the season or even last season, you know, throw his tantrums and f bomb after this on the ice and cry, you know, like a mm-hmm. you know whine about everything when he's not playing well. Oh yeah. I didn't I didn't cue in that it's because he's so competitive and he just wants to win. You know? Mm-hmm. I didn't think about it. I just thought of him being, you know, kind of a uh you know, a whiner and somebody who just complains, but when yeah. you it the narrative the other way, it's like well, no, it's because he wants to win. He wants to do everything he can in his power to help the team win. Yeah. Uh, and he's been doing that recently for sure. I mean, he's been calling game in overtime and shootout and um putting up uh you know what do you say like nine nine game point streak or something right now I don't know yeah if it was yeah the other day but um but that is just, yeah no it, it's just crazy and, and the thing is like you you could see his emotional push and, and like kind of that drive to win and you need that emotional tenacity you need someone on your team that brings that right Especially when, like, I understand it can be detrimental, right? And obviously, we had the rumors about him versus Horvat and whatnot and whatnot, right? But when the winning starts and that guy is still that emotional and he wants to win that bad, and immediately everyone starts looking at him as a positive. It's funny how fast the switch can happen, right? And no one is blaming him anymore, right? Nope. But you look up and down the lineup, like, even Patterson, he's trying to go. But someone like Pearson, man, like, even Pearson, I hated Pearson. I feel like he was such a waste of money for the, you know, like three million a year, right? And I just felt like that money could have been allocated better. But mm. he, even he, he has like what four or five points in the last four games, right? Like okay. he's starting to heat up too. You see, all these players are starting to step up now. Pat Cole's in; he's doing pretty well right now, right? Garland, I think he got selected to the All Star team, right? It's just it's great to see the team start to believe in each other and just step up, right? Yeah, they they seem to have this. Um, they seem to have this code that they believe internally, this internal message that they can go out there every game mm-hmm. and win it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, before you would see, um, I think there was a good example recently. Um, where I think it was the either the LA or the Anaheim game. I think it was the LA game. Mm-hmm. We took a penalty with like nine minutes left. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was the Anaheim. Well, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Took a penalty with like nine minutes left, and it was tied. And under Green, I feel like that game would have been over. 
I feel like they would have just crumbled and they would have said, ah, we took a penalty game over. We can't kill it off. We're not going to oh, kill yeah. it off. Yeah. Whereas under Bruce, they've, you know, got this belief back that they can win any game and they can be in any game. And all of a sudden, you know, we're 16, 15 and two mm-hmm. we're, we're above, you know, we're above 500 all of a sudden for yeah. the first time since, you know, game four of the season or something. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I don't want to say playoffs. Um, Dude, they're they're three points out. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's yeah. a scary thing because I don't want my hopes, yeah, to be, you know, too high. Yeah, but, um, it it's a possibility, brother. It's a it possibility. is, man. I I know point percentage is a different system, and I know like we do still have our backs kind of against the wall, right? But the three points out, man. If you look at the standings right now, the three points out, and and the way some teams are playing, like Delhi Kings, Edmonton yeah. is playing so bad, man. Like it's yeah. crazy how bad they're playing, considering how they started. But I, I don't know, man. You know, like I'm, I looked at looking at what St. Louis did a couple of years ago, and I don't know, man. You just start thinking, you know, we'll start turning a bit. Like, could it be? Could it be one of those situations where? They do make the playoffs. And I'm not even going to think about the cup, but the fact that they can push for a playoff spot. Um, this was like even just a month ago. We were like, no, this team is done. Like you said, I- I've never missed a Canucks game in so long. And uh, and even me, like I was just like, man, screw it. I, I don't want to deal with negativity, right? I'm going to go out and have a good time. I'm going to enjoy my Friday, right? Before I used to be watching. Now I'm back to that. Now I want to watch the Canucks game. I want to enjoy. I want to have some friends over, right? And just have a good time. Um, exactly. Okay, I got a question to throw at you, okay? And I know yep. this is a very controversial situation. So okay. we, we just hire, hired Rutherford, right? We fired um, Jimbo, right? <laughs> and, you know, here's the thing. I am very happy with the hire. I think Rutherford is one of the smartest hockey minds in that has ever, you know, graced the NHL. And, you know, he has had success no matter where he's been. Don't get me wrong, he had amazing players to play with, but he was able to get success, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when you look at teams like uh, Edmonton. Um, but after the coaching change, we saw drastic change in philosophy and belief and, and the way the team was playing, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that Jimbo was the problem or part of the problem, or do you put more of the blame on Green, or is it evil uh, or, or equal? Where, where do you stand? <laughs> is it evil? Yeah, <laughs> evil. Yeah. Um, no, no. Oh, that's a really good question. I think definitely, um, you know, Jim's made his, Jim's made his mistakes. Yeah. Um, you know, his six by six, Louis Erickson deal, his yeah. Eagles, his Roussels, his, well, Myers contract still not ideal. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's also, he had a lot of W's in his time. And mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you can say Vertanen was an L, McCann was an L, yeah. uh, Levy was an L. But, I mean, he's given us Hoglander, Pod Colson, Patterson, Besser. Um, Hughes. Miller, that was one of the best trades in Canucks history right now. Yeah, uh, true. Hughes, uh, you know, all those all those players. Bringing in Tyler Mott, like, love Tyler Mott. Uh, mm-hmm. And OEL, Garland, like, those are – you know, well done. Uh, that's a well-built team. You oh, know, yeah. maybe yeah. it's not, you know, everything. And maybe he didn't put all the pieces that were there in place, but it was a good, and it took him too long to do it also. That's the mm-hmm. problem. 
it was yeah. too much too many years and there wasn't enough progress in the amount of time he had whereas everything that he did it mm-hmm. probably should have been done in like four years that's true the problem. you know true. it should have been trading it should have been it should have been a four-year process but it took him eight it yeah. took him double the time right um so i i don't know i i think i think it was more on green to be honest yeah yeah and uh- yeah, I think I think it was more on green. Yeah, no, honestly, man, I I do agree. Like, I know a lot of people they do consider me a betting bro, but honestly, like, I don't care about that stuff. Like, as <laughs> long as you're playing well and their team is doing good, that's all I want, right? Like, I'm not for or against someone. I know people are asking for Gillis to come back. I'm like, okay, that's just stupid, right? Like, we need to evolve. Like, we are now you know ten years down the line. We can't just go back, right? Yes. Um, yeah. but the thing is, what I'm thinking is this: if when we gave Green the new contract extension, right? I remember having this conversation with Ajay before too. And I'm like, dude, like, I don't want him back. I don't want him and Bomber back, right? And now they're hiring all these other guys and there's too many voices in the room, right? I'm like, the team plays boring as hell. And this, it was so evident when they made the bubble and they were facing the LA or the Vegas Knights. The transition game and the neutral game never evolved. It just stayed stagnant the entire time, right? We were lucky that Minnesota and um, Seattle or St. Louis just kept messing up and having bad goaltending and kept making mistakes, right? But mm-hmm. when you're facing a team like Vegas, dude, like you need to be able to evolve and adapt and get like you know work with the speed, work with the skill. You can't just keep um, you know dumping and chasing against a team that's faster than you. Right, bigger than you along the boards, and then Stronger, collapsing faster, better systems, everything. Yeah, yeah, and then and then collapsing on your own net in the defensive zone every time, right? And, and that's exactly what happened. I know Bubble Demko is the only reason why we even got to seven games, but mm-hmm. the thing is this, man. Like, I looked down the road, and that was two years ago. Yeah. And now, even this year, it's the same shit. We don't have amazing, amazing, fast, fast guys or big guys, but you're mm-hmm. dumping and chasing. Yeah, like PD is dumping and chasing. PD is probably one of the best danglers out there, right? And people are obviously closing on, on him faster. But if people are closing on him faster, that means someone else is open, you know? Mm-hmm. So why is the one probably one of the most skilled players in the league, probably in the top 15, top 20 now, but out of hundreds and hundreds of players, probably one of the best skilled players in the league, why is he dumping and chasing the puck? You know, people used to compare him to Datsu. Right? Why not make a play where you transition out, have a good breakout play where you can pass it off to someone on the on the on the boards, or you can dangle through or set some sort of play up, right? Mm-hmm. And every freaking time the other team would get the puck, they would just start instead of forechecking, there was no forechecking. Everyone just started racing back, either chasing the play because they lose it in the neutral zone and they're too far up ahead, or they'd yeah. be or when the other team has the puck, they wouldn't even forecheck, they would just collapse on their own net and you know, like. Demko couldn't see shit. Um, everyone was just stagnant, standing there. No one's in the passing lanes. And for two freaking years, that's all they did, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm throwing this out there. Benning had to go, right? Only because we're in a point now where Benning was there to create a core, right? And he did a really good job of that, I think. I, I think, like you said, he took way too long. I think yeah. he, he, he wasted a lot of money, right? Yeah. And, he, and he was not smart with his money. But the thing is, I think he did create a really good core. Um, but if Boudreaux was with the Canucks 
or a different coach that's you know could play to the, their strengths was with the Canucks faster um, or before this new um, contract for Green. I don't think that um, Benning would have been fired. You know, I, I think Benning would still be here. But that being said, dude, honestly, we're now in an area where we need to transition, like tweak the team in a better way and save money and be smart. Um, and I don't think that was Benning's strength. I look at someone like Rutherford, who is so cognitive and has great communication skills and actually, exp- you know, has a great hockey mind. And you can tell that yeah. he is quite aligned with um, what the fans want to hear and how to deliver it. That, um, you know, I think this is the type of mind that we need now as a president or GM. And I, I think I think Benny's time was done. But that being said, I think the biggest problem, and I've been saying this for years and I've gotten so much flack on Twitter for saying this, it has been green. If this ha- if this team had a different coach a couple of years ago, this team would be much better, much faster. And you know what? I, I don't. I, th- I think players like Patterson would not be in a slump right now because he would have had grown on top of his confidence and skill year over year. No, I agree for sure. I yeah. agree hundred percent. I think. Well, here's a question. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay this out for you. Okay. With Rutherford yeah. now, do you think he trades either Pod Colson or Hoaglander? Oh man, but uh, you know what? <laughs> well, if I had to keep one, I would keep Pod Colson. I think. Yeah, me too. I think Pod Colson's ceiling would be higher. But that being said, I feel like this kind of goes against what he has told us because he said he wanted to get younger and he wanted to save money and he wanted to um, get picks in, right? Because mm-hmm. um, he's still trying to get the team to be competitive for uh, the next few years, he said, right? Um, and he knows he's that there are... Sorry? He's not living day-to-day like Benning. <laughs> yeah, he's not just saying, okay, you know, that's on the, what's on the market today. This guy actually has a plan in place and he's actually mm-hmm. questioning people and trying to see how the plan can, you know, come to fruition. But, uh, but okay, well, well why, why do you ask? Why those two players? Oh, well, I just saw a lot of, I just saw a lot of people talking about it recently. And then oh, no. um, I was having the debate with my buddy, my roommate. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about it and saying, we were like, ah, he's probably going to end up trading one of those guys, isn't he? We're going to lose him. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, would you do it? Like, would you trade one of them for a top four D? Oh man, top four D. You pull something off crazy. Like, I don't know. Here's a trade proposal for you. Okay. Hoaglander, and I don't know if you'd have to throw in a pick. You'd probably have to throw in a pick. But yeah, Hoaglander and a pick for like Noah Dobson or something. Yeah. Well. Someone like Dobson, like their ceiling can be way higher as a defenseman than Hoglander's ceiling as a forward, you know? Like Hoglander still has issues with his speed and size, right? And he is skilled, but he's not crazy, crazy skilled, right? And and he does got goals, but they're very like in the right moment or at the right time, you know? There's very few goals that he's really setting up and creating himself. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but he, he plays tough. And you know what? I would miss him. I would much rather, like, say, look at someone like Pearson who's on a four or five game point streak. And, you know, I think his trade value is going up. And if we can trade him and say something like a third round pick and shed $3 million and get someone like Noah Dobson, then cool. Right. Even if it's like a second round pick, cool. But I think you got to keep your first round picks now because I think we've traded enough of them away. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, or someone like, you know, even Dickinson, like Dickinson, I I know he's highly touted and he's supposed to, his advanced stats were much better than Sutter's. And people are looking for 
a 3-4 C like him. And he, for some reason, man, he's hit a lot of posts. He's trying to get his game going, but now and he's in COVID protocol. I, I, I still haven't seen from him what I've wanted to see. And he does yeah. remind me of like kind of like a Pearson light. And, and we don't need another person like that. If he's another better under Bruce, for sure. Oh, yeah. He's been better under Bruce. And so has Pearson. But the thing is, yeah. what I'm thinking is I'm looking at both of their ceilings. And if there is a team that really needs a bottom six center or winger type player that can give you kind of regular points and be tough on the on the boards and on the back end and win those battles, those are players that like could have some value, man. Like I've seen the last few trade deadlines, bottom six players that are, you know, really highly touted have kind of been given away for some pretty good like loot, man. Like some pretty high end um, you know, top what do you all picks have been traded for these players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I don't know, man. Like, do I want to get rid of Hoglander or Puckles? I don't get rid of any, any, either of those. No, me neither. Yeah. Me neither. I just, I just, I heard, uh, I heard a little bit of uh, a rumor, rumors surrounding those two. Our defense definitely needs to upgrade, though, man. Like, yeah. Shen Hamannik and Hunt and whoever's in the bottom six, man. Like the bottom two, right? Um, five and six roll, like. They're all interchangeable. This is just like shitty players. Okay, wait. Has Ham? You know what? Where's Hamannik been recently? Has he? Is he injured right now? I haven't even seen him. Well, I heard that he went on LTIR, and that's the last I heard. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's COVID protocol or something happened, or he's not vaccinated or something. I, I don't totally know. Totally forgot. I forgot he was on the team. Because yeah. he's actually a pretty useful def- defenseman, man. Like he's pretty yeah. good, but for the money he's making too, man. Like he's barely showed up, or right? he's played less than like ten yeah. games, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I I honestly forgot he was on the team. When you said his name, I was like, oh, my God, I forgot we had Hamannick on our team. Yeah. Dude, spe- like out of the lineup and down to the A and coming back up. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's no. going on? Yeah, man, it's been a wild ride for him this year, right? And I'm just happy that now he's, he's on the team and he is playing. But, like, um, I mean, he isn't right now. But before, he couldn't even go on road trips. They keep sending him down to Abbotsford. And then back up, right? And then back down to Alvesford every time there's a road trip, right? And it was just like such a clusterfuck of what was going on with this guy. So I still don't think it's solved yet, but we'll, we'll see down the road what kind of comes to play. Um, speaking of Hoglander and Podkolzin, all right? So here's the thing. Do you remember a couple of years ago when, and even this year, when Hoglander scored two goals, right? And then when it was open net for the other team, he was benched, mm-hmm. right? And he wouldn't get those chances. And even Puck Golden, he'd score a goal, but then he'd be benched the entire game, right? And he'd get like five minutes a night, six minutes a night. Dude, Pod Colson is leading the team in shifts. The last, I think five of the last 10 games, he's been leading time on ice for our players. Uh-huh. And and his goals have gone up. He's getting more time to play. And now he's on the line with Miller and Hoglander. Greener would never have put those two players together. No way. And no. he's been killing penalties. <laughs> yeah, he's doing a good job too, man. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It's so cool to watch. I think you put it, you said you said something earlier that really, really, I think, was the perfect point of Green expected everybody to play within his system instead of adjusting to the players. Yeah, yeah. Um, right? And I think... Bruce has really gotten the most out of those two guys specifically. I, I know he called them out, right? He called out his bottom six and he said, all right, I need, I need some more production here. I need, 
I need you boys to to step it up. And then look what happens last game. Yeah, Hoglander, yeah. Hoaglander, they both get on the score sheet, right? Yeah. And yeah, I I love I love that line of Miller, Pod Colson, and, and Hoaglander. I think it could be absolutely dirty. Dude, so good. And they are also kind of like have that dirt on them, right? Like they will hit around the board. They will kind of forecheck. They will spear guys a bit, you know, just enough to kind of piss people off, right? I, I know against the, against the LA Kings game, I think uh, when the whistle blew, five of the players kind of fell on top of uh, Pud Coles and just started kind of punching him, right? And then <laughs> Myers jumps in and you see this big ass giraffe take two people out, right? Right, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it just like they just such shit starters, right? All three of them, and I think that's the perfect line. It doesn't remind me of kind of like that or Shan kind of you know like personality style. Um, but dude, all the goals that Pod Colson scores, they're all highlight reel snipes, dude. They're like this guy does not know how to score a dirty goal. This guy's just like you know bar down or nothing. <laughs> yeah, they're all gross. Yeah. yeah, he's so fun to watch. Yeah, um, I love. Yeah, I love seeing him carry the puck and and rush it in um you know he rush it in he's rushing <laughs> no hey. he, he just he's so he's so powerful he's so strong but yeah. you know he's not that big of a kid honestly like he's, you not, look, he's not you look at his uh you know height and whatever and, and his weight he's actually really not that big yeah uh, yep. and he doesn't even look that big on the ice but he plays really big oh yeah and and you know what, man? Like that's the biggest thing. Like even Hoglander, he's a pretty small guy, but he plays big. Like he will hit. He will kind of get in the dirty areas. Um, but even against Seattle, like the last game they played, what they won five two. The first goal, I believe, it was Pod Colson's, and you know, like it was a great four check by Hoggy. He turned the puck over, and then you know it just came to on Pods. Pod just sniped it in right away, right? Mm-hmm. And and that tied the game up for them, I believe, um, or gave them the lead. And and right there, you just saw like the chemistry start blooming, and 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 you just you can kind of see where the future is going with these guys, man. And that Seattle game was nuts. Like the little guys really took over, right? And I know Pearson; he scored another empty net goal. This guy's becoming the new Louis Erickson for us, right? Like it's pretty nuts. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's been insane. And like I said earlier, I'm just so happy to you know have the boys winning and and playing good and that's the thing too is even the games because they're gonna lose some games coming up here obviously um and as long as they're still playing like this Mm -hmm. every you know yeah um, yeah. then i'm happy i'll still watch it because it's not you know it's not green hockey it's not just dumping and chasing and, and whatever they're actually hard on the forecheck they're actually uh look like they want to play hockey yeah no i i to- totally with you man um going on the whole seattle game something crazy happened right um our equipment manager red as they call yes. him right like so this guy what a crazy story like literally he had that young student who was like a medical student behind him telling him that dude you need to get your mole on the back of your neck checked out he got it checked out and it, it was cancer right and, and it, it could have been it could have spread it, they said it was only the first layer but it could have spread down to his like second layer and you know limb system possibly and then he'd be like you know it'd be a problem right he she potentially saved his life mm-hmm. and and this guy's like i didn't think about it 
at the time, but the way he reached out to the team and the way the PR team reached out to Twitter and, you know, we were all retweeting this and, and yep. sending it to everyone. And we found the person, you know, like yeah. not, well, not us directly, but like we were part of the process of finding that person. And I think it was their parent and they let them know. And then they gave her like this $10,000 scholarship um, $10, award. Like what an amazing story, dude. Yeah, no, it's super cool. It's super heartwarming. It yeah. really, um, it really just shows the power of sport um, yeah. and how we can all come together. Cause it's a really weird concept when you think about it, man. Like yeah. you think about just like going to a hockey game and just everybody's there drinking a beer or whatever, you know, there's yeah. kids and, and people of all different ages, people of all different backgrounds and diversity and culture. And you're all just there to enjoy the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's something so cool about that. And so when you hear stories like this, um, stories of, you know, heroism, really, at the end of the day, she saved his life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just, it's fantastic to hear. It's heartwarming. And and it makes me proud to be a hockey fan because there's oh. so many times when I'm not proud to be a hockey fan. Yeah. Um, with the way the NHL handles you know, certain things and, and, you know, certain, uh, social justice issues that have especially come really apparent in the last, uh, you know, few years here now, it seems Mm -hmm. Um, they've been going through a lot, uh, totally agree. Totally agree. The way they've handled, you know, situations has not always, you know, made me the proudest hockey fan. Um, Mm -hmm. but this was a moment where I was like, yeah, that that's a dub. That's a Mm -hmm. dub for the sport. Um, and that should be plastered everywhere because, uh, yeah, it was really cool. Really cool to see. Oh, yeah, dude, I absolutely agree. It's a, such a heartwarming story, you know, and the fact that they were able to meet and connect, like, so good. So happy for them. Um, all right, man, that's a wrap. Just like the World Juniors. Oh, um, <laughs> I can't believe they got canceled. Um, but you know what? The way they were trending, like, every – it seemed like every neg- or positive case that they had of COVID – um, the team will have to forfeit, right? And you can't really play a game a tournament if the team has to forfeit. Connor Bedard's gonna be insane, though, dude. Dude, that one game, holy shit, man! <laughs> Four, and then he went back to his club. <laughs> yeah. Again. Yeah. Eight goals in two games. The guy's on acid. He's cracked. He's not even eligible next year, is he? Is this the year after, or is it next year? Twenty twenty three. Oh, okay, yeah. So he's so so... not this draft, but the next draft. Yeah. 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 All right, man. Well, you know, I think that's a wrap. Thank you so much for me today. And, uh, dude, hopefully we can keep it going, man. You know, Bruce, there it is. Like, I'm singing that every night almost. And I'm hoping that they can make a playoff spot. They're three points out. Point percentage-wise, I think it's about eight games. But, dude, if they just keep on this bender, like, we can totally pull this off before February. Yep. Hey, let's keep it up. Go Canucks, go. And uh, Bruce, there it is, baby. All right. Thank you to everyone for listening. And, again, this episode is brought to you by Loudmouth Brewing for the best beers and burgers in town. Go to Loudmouth Brewing in Abbotsford.